Aloha, this is Pastor Perry, and I want to thank you for joining us online to study the Word of God together. We pray that you will be blessed as the Holy Spirit ministers to you through this message and through God's Word. Good morning, church. Today's reading comes from 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 3. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and more so, if by about this time tomorrow I do not make your life like the life of one of them. And he was afraid and got up and ran for his life. Good morning, church. I'm Pastor Josh. Um, our lead pastor, Pastor Perry, asked me to preach this morning, and so thank you for trusting me. I never take it lightly, um, but I am honored to share with you what the Lord has laid on my heart recently, and um, I hope it's a blessing. So let's pray first, and then we'll, we'll dive into our text this morning. <clears throat> oh, wonderful God, we just thank you so much for this time to be together. We thank you that you haven't left us. Um, you haven't removed yourself. You're not far away and distant, uh, but you're close. You're here. And you have revealed yourself through your word. And so, Lord, we come as students this morning to learn um, from you. So, God, I ask that as we position ourselves now humbly that you would bless us, Lord, that you would fill us, that you would speak to our hearts this morning. It's in Jesus' name I humbly ask. Amen. Well, we survived 2020. Good job. My family and I did something kind of fun. We, um, we made a list. What did we learn in 2020? Um, it's a great exercise. If you have a big family or a small family, or even if you're single, I would uh, encourage you to do this exercise. And I went away from it, and then I'd come back and add to it. So I'm going to share just a little bit of what I learned in 2020, just some, just some of the things. Um, I had some positive things, and I had some negative things. <laughs> some positive things. I learned how to surf on a board attached to a foil this year. I was pretty proud of that, because it's like trying to uh, surf a magic carpet. It's super weird. Um, but that was fun. I learned how to live stream with my team. We uh, got KCC online. Good job, guys. It's awesome. I learned about new hardware, like cameras, digital interfaces, and microphones. I also learned about software and um, programs like Ecamm, OBS, ProPresenter 7. Um, I also learned a lot about online audio and how tough it is to capture good audio online. I just want you to know, as a singer, as a guitar player, I know we sound terrible online. Like, I'm just going to admit it. Like, I'm going to admit it. Like, I hear my guitar and I'm like, ooh, that's not how it should sound. And we're working on that. That's one of the reasons we actually expanded the sound booth in 2020. So that happened, which is super awesome. Thank you, Patrick. Um, and we are taking steps to get our online sound just better. And the reason for the online not sounding good is because you lose natural reverb. So when you're in here and I clap, 
you hear like an echo after the clap. Online, it's just, it's so dry. And so this is why a lot of churches started pre-recording worship. And actually, when no one was meeting in here, I said, that's it. I'm going to learn how to pre-record worship, which I did. And it looks like it's just me and a microphone and a singer. But over here, off camera, I had a table. I had digital interfaces. I had a DAW, which is a digital audio workspace, and had wires everywhere. And I'm learning all this stuff. And um, one of the times, we get done recording the full set. And I check the audio, sounds good. Man, my guitar sounds so good on that pre-recorded thing. And I go to check my iPhone that I was doing capturing video on, and I lost all space, so it stopped recording. 2020. <clears throat> so there were some negative things that I learned. I learned what screen fatigue feels like. Don't like it. I learned that distance learning is tough on children and parents. I also learned that I don't like the word unprecedented. I don't like it. I don't like it anymore. So 2020 has been quite the adventure, and um, maybe you can relate to me. There was a couple moments where I just felt like I was just in a chokehold, and I just wanted to tap out and just be like, okay, God, can we just, can I have a time out? Like, I felt maxed. Maybe you can relate to that. I felt depleted at times. And our message today is about a man who was depleted. So if you've gone through anything where you just felt discouraged, depleted, my, my, my heart's desire is that what we look at today will be a blessing to you. Now, before we get there, we have to do some backstory because um, if I jump right in, we might not know who the characters are and what's happening. So let me just give you some historical context for what we're going to talk about. After King David was King Solom Solomon, after King Solomon, his son Rehoboam became king. And Rehoboam did not listen to the, the advice of his elders regarding taxes, and this caused Israel to divide in two. Rehoboam was left only with Judah, the southern kingdom, and Jeroboam became king of the northern kingdom, Israel. Side note, I used to get these guys confused all the time, Rehoboam, Jeroboam, which one, who's who? Maybe this helps. In the alphabet, the R is right next to the S. Well, Rehoboam is the son of Solomon, and that just helped me from getting the guys confused. And so um, they're Judah, and that continues on to the line of Jesus. But we're kind of kind of focused on the, the northern kingdom. We're going to focus on Israel, and this is Jeroboam. And what's important to know about this king, King Jeroboam, is out of a political strategy to consolidate his power and his authority in Israel, he set up some idols and the reason he set up these golden calf idols was because he wanted his people to not have to pilgrimage three times a year into the other kingdom for temple worship, to go to the temple. So he's like, okay, I'm going to set up Yahweh idols, and you guys can all stay here in my kingdom, and we'll be good. Well, as you read the book of James, you see that this obviously led Israel astray because they started worshiping fertility cult. Uh, deities. There was astral worship. 
There was Baal worship, who's the sun god. And even horrendously, there was sacrifice of human beings. It got really terrible um, as the kings went on. Now Ahab, who's in our story today, um, Ahab was the sixth king after Jeroboam. He allied, him, he allied himself with a terrible woman, a heathen princess, and uh, this made him just kind of this spineless puppet that basically just supported all her cult worship, and he built some temples, and he um, even crafted the Asherah, which was the wooden symbol of the female deities. So, a terrible king. The description of him is just not good. Uh, it says, Thus Ahab did more to provoke, provoke the Lord God of Israel than all the kings of Israel who were before him. So we see a decline in the morality of the kings. His wife Jezebel, she basically took idol worship to the next level. Uh, she had 450 prophets of Baal that shared her table. She had 400 prophets dedicated to the Asherah. And not only that, but she destroyed the altars that were dedicated to Yahweh. She executed the prophets of Yahweh. She had this strong, very conniving personality, and her bent was to end Yahweh worship and to promote worship of false idols. So Israel was headed down a very, very, very evil path, headed for destruction. But God rose up a man named Elijah, who we're going to focus on today. And uh, Elijah, the man of God, he enters the scene. Elijah, as soon as he comes on the scene, he delivers a very tough message uh, to the king Ahab. He says, as the Lord, as Yahweh, the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And then he disappears for three and a half years and everyone's experiencing a drought. And that's a cool story, too. You can read about how the ravens brought him food, super miraculous stuff happening there. Um, but I'm going to keep going forward so we can get to our text. After Elijah emerges after three and a half years, when Ahab sees him, he is so perturbed, and he says, Is this you, you troubler of Israel? Which, of course, is ridiculous, because Elijah's thinking, Me? Hello, you're the one who has forsaken the commandments of Yahweh. You're the one who has followed the Baals, leading Israel astray. And there's this moment of time uh, where Elijah just calls for a showdown. He's like, that's it. Let's just call for a showdown. The God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people were like, yes, this sounds really good to us. Let's do this. Let's do this contest. And so all the prophets of Baal are summoned, even the prophets of the Asherah. So there's 850 of them. They all arrange the wood, their altar. They cut up the oxen. They put it on. They're not allowed to set fire to it, but they can call upon their God. So they start calling upon him. Elijah's like, maybe call a little louder. Maybe he can't hear you. Well, they start leaping and dancing and, and cutting themselves. And he's like, hmm, maybe he's on a trip. Maybe, maybe Baal is using the bathroom. And the Bible is so specific that it says, 
But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. So it was Elijah's turn. So he repairs one of the altars that Jezebel had destroyed with 12 stones representing the 12 tribes. He arranges the wood. He cuts up the ox and gets it all ready. He digs a, a trough around it. And he tells them, hey, you guys get some water and dump it on this thing. So they dump water. And he says, do it again. They do it again. Do it a third time, a third time. They just absolutely drench the altar with water, so much so that the trench around it is now filled with water. And then he prays. Really beautiful prayer. All these things he's doing by the word of the Lord so that people will come back to God. That's his motive. Super beautiful. And then the word of God says, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood. And this was the first time I caught, I've read the story before. This is the first time I caught this. It consumed the stones. And the dust, and licked up all the water that was in the trench. And when the people saw it, they said, That's it. Yahweh is God. And they all fell down and, and said, Yahweh is God. And so we have this epic moment. There, Baal is nowhere to be found. Yahweh shows up, and according to one of the laws in Deuteronomy, he says, Seize these false prophets and let's slay them, put them to death puts them to death, and then, and then, he says, and behold, a great rain is coming. He ends the drought by his word. Just an epic, epic story. Okay, now we're ready. Now we're ready. So we're looking at 1 Kings 19. 19 verse 1. It says, now Ahab, and you know who that is now, we all know, Ahab told Jezebel, his wife, all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and even more if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And he was afraid, and he arose, and he ran for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he went by himself a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die, and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. He lay down and slept under a juniper tree, and behold, there was an angel touching him and said to him, Arise, eat. Then he looked, and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. That verse right there, arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you, recently blessed me so much. It's the reason why I'm preaching out of this passage today. Um, I love how gentle 
Yahweh is with this man, his servant, who is so absolutely depleted. And I know it's not the most um, creative title, but <laughs> in your, our title of our, today's message, uh, it becomes my first observation that I learned. And if you want to take notes, you're welcome to do that. We have pens and an outline. And my first observation was, faith in God is a journey. Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. So faith in God is a journey. That means Christianity is not a destination. It is not an arrival. It's a ministry. You and I are ambassadors. We are priests. So putting your faith in God is not an arrival. It's not like this, this end. It's a beginning to a lifelong journey that I'm not even sure if it ends after this life anymore. I'll talk about that later. And on this journey, in this life that we're on right now, our experiences will often not make sense, as we all know. But I love this passage because we are looking at a moment in time in the life of Elijah, at a moment in time with, with Elijah on his faith journey. We get to peek in and see his emotions and his processing and his raw realness. He says, I'm over it. I'm done. God, take me out. I quit. And the way Yahweh responds is so beautiful. Because God allows Elijah to have his feelings and to have his process. And so I just want, I want you to know that you are on a journey. And you are allowed to process this journey that you're on. And you are allowed to have your feelings. Because feelings do not frighten or anger God. God made them. And feelings are our friends. So I've heard chapter 18 preached before, and the way I've heard it preached is this. Uh, Elijah has this mountaintop experience. It's so epic. And as he comes off the mountaintop, um, in a moment of weakness, he experiences fear and failure in regards to Jezebel's threat. But as I've been studying the passage, I'm like, is that really all that's going on here? I mean, it's a little out of character for Elijah because... He knew that her gods were fake. He knew the power of Yahweh. Also, we know that Elijah was ready to die anyway, <laughs> in verse 5. Also, we know that he was not afraid to be alone. He left his servant. Also, further research shows that there, there is a conversation going on about the word afraid. The Hebrew verb to fear is very, very similar to the, to the Hebrew verb to see. And actually, if you have a King James Bible in your lap, it doesn't say when he saw this he was, it doesn't say he was afraid. It says when he saw this, the verb to see. And when he saw the messenger and, and the message that Jezebel was going to come after him, 
When he saw this, he ran. He ran. He didn't want to die by her. So I think an argument could be made that maybe Elijah was feeling some other feelings. Maybe he was frustrated or disappointed. Or maybe he was even afraid, not of his own life, he was afraid that his ministry has failed. Think about it. All he did at the word of the Lord, he prophesied a drought. He prophesied that a bowl and a jar would not be exhausted for a poor woman. He raised the dead son of a widow. He called down fire from heaven, and then he ended the drought. I'm thinking Elijah thought, after this great experience, we're back. Finally. Fire from heaven? You can't beat that. Now all of Israel is going is to repent. Everyone's going to return to Yahweh. My ministry is a success. But what we see is the opposite. Nothing changed. King Ahab was still a spineless, terrible king. Jezebel was still committed to her Baal worship and bent on killing Yahweh's prophets. Israel was doomed for destruction, and our main character is done. He says, I quit. His expectations were dashed. Elijah had did all that the Lord told him to do, witnessing the miraculous, and I think he expected better results. I think he expected Ahab to tear down some idols. So what is God up to? Because you and I, we experience this too. God, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm praying, I'm asking, I'm doing, I'm doing what you want me to do, but things are not panning out the way I thought they would. What's happening? Well, Isaiah gives us some insight into that. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, it says, and this is very comforting, not, um, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Oh. God says, so as... For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Welcome to the mystery, guys. We don't always know what's going on. But he does. And so maybe in 2020, maybe even now, you are, you're come and you feel depleted right now. Maybe depressed. Maybe um, over it. Maybe you just feel super over it. You're on a journey. You are allowed to process this journey. And you're allowed to have your feelings. It's a good thing. I won't go into details, but I actually started seeing a therapist in November of 2020. And it's been so wonderful. I'm so thankful. Ever since I was 16, I have struggled on and off with depression. And you know what? It's okay. It's okay. Which leads me to observation number two in your notes. When you can't possibly go on, you're right. 
when you can't possibly go on, you're absolutely right. So stop. Take a nap. Take two naps. Eat a hot meal. Eat it slowly. Turn off your phone. Silence that thing. We were not meant to be on all the time. That's God's job. Let's let him do that. God instilled the Sabbath for a reason. It's for our benefit, for our health. When you can't possibly go on, you are absolutely right. So what did Elijah do? He just stopped. He just stopped. And I just, as I've been thinking about this story, I'm like, well, did Elijah strengthen himself? Who did the strengthening, right? Because if you keep reading, like, the story goes on. The journey continues. Who did the strengthening? Was it Elijah? No. It was Yahweh who did the strengthening. But, this is key, Elijah positioned himself to be strengthened. Elijah positioned himself to be strengthened. He went remote. Yes, there are times when I think seeking therapy is good or seeking advice is good. And I also believe there are times when it's time to unplug, go remote, get solitude, and just go one-on-one with Yahweh and be like, God, I'm here. I showed up. No one else is around. This thing's off. It's just me and you. God, I need you. Would you speak to me? And it's just so beautiful to me that Elijah does this and he wasn't met with an interrogation. He wasn't met with questions or judgment or criticism. He was met with a touch, a hot meal, a jar of water, more rest, and then more food. What a good, gentle God when you're so absolutely done and so absolutely depleted and you position yourself to get strengthened by him. Early on in my faith journey, when I was 16 years old, I lost my best friend to suicide. Um, It was a really dark year for me, and um, I I experienced a lot of depression. And I remember um, vividly on my first day back to church, I walked into the community center, because that's where we had church, in Waikiki, I walked into the community center, and God bless him, but one of the gentlemen in our churches came up to me, and he put his hand on my shoulder, and he said, just be still and know, bro. Just be still and know. I composed myself. Not helpful, by the way, not helpful. I was so irritated, and as I was thinking about this message and remembering this instance that happened, I couldn't help but think, what if he had just walked up and said, hey, Josh, I got you a hot chocolate. It's for you. And he just gave me a hot chocolate and then walked away. Now you got my attention. After sipping a few sips, I might even want to talk about my feelings. I love how God models this for us. When someone is like 
broken, empty, depleted, before you go and try to fix them and give them advice, maybe offer to babysit their kids so they can take a nap. How about that? That would be good. Or maybe get a gift card. Buy a gift card to like a really good restaurant and just say, hey, I just wanted to give you something. There you go. Man. It was my mom and dad who actually, in a couple weeks after that instance when I was 16, they bought me a guitar. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to say. They just bought me a guitar. And that was like one of the best things that ever happened to me. I love the way God deals with his, his servant. So gentle, so good. I love that we can learn from our God. You know, communion's really great because it's, it, it, it does a lot of things, but two things stick, stand out to me right now. Physically, if we do not eat, we will die. We need food. Spiritually, if we do not eat, we will die. We need Jesus, the bread of life. It was somewhere in the middle of our first quarantine. I don't know how many we've had. I don't know which one we're on now. I don't know. Somewhere in the middle of our first quarantine, I was on Instagram, and I follow uh, the worship leader, Jen Johnson, and Jen had wrote in just a post uh, saying, friends, today, every day, open your Bibles just, and just read. Every day. Like, just, even if it's short, even if it's Leviticus and it doesn't make sense, whatever, like, just every day, because every day kind of started blurring into the next day, and I'm like, dude, what? day of the week is it? Like, I mean, all my kids are home all the time. And so, I, I, God bless them. It was hard. Um, so, but it stood out to me, it just, and it just stuck with me. And so I was like, okay, that's it. If I don't do anything else, every day I'm, I'm going to crack open my Bible and I'm going to read it. So it just stuck with me. Recently, she, she, she kind of wrote the same message. She said, Christians, read your Bible or else you'll get weird. And I was like, I like that too. Let's, so let's not get weird. Let's read our Bibles and, and stay that. And, and the reason is, even in the Old Testament, the manna came daily. When Jesus taught us to pray, he said, give us this day our daily bread. And then Jesus said in John seven thirty seven, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And nobody you know, nobody I know, takes one jar of water, drinks the water, and says, that's it, I'm good, I'm hydrated for life. Doesn't happen. You have to go to the potty, and then you need more water. We're so needy. Yes, we are, and that's like a, that's a picture of us spiritually. We have to come to him daily. So just to recap, number one, faith in God is a journey. Number two, when you can't possibly go on, you're right, this journey is too great for you. But Jesus allows you to, to process, he allows you to have your feelings, and he invites you to come to him again and again to drink and to eat. And then lastly, my last observation, because no matter how depleted you feel, no matter how dark the night gets, no matter how heavy the depression gets, observation number three, there is always hope. There's always hope. 
There's a few references in the parentheses there. You can look those up later. I'm going to mention just a couple of them now. As I've been reading the, this chapter and like the chapter before it and the text after it, I noticed that three times Elijah said, I am the only one left. He felt so alone. And God reminded him, you are not alone. And I think he was worried being the last one left. If he died, the last prophet, Israel was definitely doomed. Definitely doomed. But God revealed to Elijah that he had chosen to save 7,000, those he foreknew, faithful followers, 7,000 of them. And he said, Elijah, you are not alone. Not only that, God also expanded Elijah's ministry. The prophet who felt so alone became a mentor, a mentor to Elisha. And this prophet who was so ready to quit after gaining strength after meeting with God, as far as we know, he's still on assignment. The dude didn't die. A chariot came down, a chariot of fire, and took him up. And then Peter saw him on the, on the mountain when, when we had Jesus' transfiguration. Elijah was there. Furthermore, Malachi 4.5, the text says that the Lord of armies, Yahweh of armies, says, Behold, I am going to send you Elisha, Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord, which hasn't happened yet. Elijah is still on assignment. That must have been some really, really good bread cake. Like, really good. Our God is so good. Friends, faith in God is a journey. And as our text reveals, you are allowed to have your process, you are allowed to have your feelings and to work through those. Number two, when you cannot possibly go on, you're absolutely right. Because this journey is too great for you. It's too great for me. But Jesus invites us to come to him again and again to get replenished. Like a well that never runs dry. That's our God. And number three, there's always hope. As we just read, God can take someone who is completely over their life, completely over it, ready to be done, ready to die. And God can strengthen that person and bring about some wonderful works because that's who he is. That's what he does. Would you join me in prayer and a song after that? Well, Heavenly Father, I just want to pray for everyone in the room, everyone watching online. If there's anyone here that what I've said resonates with them if they have felt this or are even in it now. God, I pray that this message is one of hope. I pray that it is uplifting. I pray that you would continue to reveal to us how, Jesus, you are our strength. And God, I just pray a blessing upon my brothers and sisters. Lord, would you like you did with Elijah, would you gently meet with them, 
meeting their needs and helping them process. And Lord, would you give them wisdom on how to position themselves to be strengthened by you. Give them wisdom and insight. In Jesus' name, amen.